Amen. Check this out. You talk about a service. Listen to this, John. Uh, it was just this typical, bright, beautiful Sunday morning here in Vegas. And, and everybody gets up and they, they go to their local church service, right? At sunrise. Yeah, we can... Hey, thank you. John's excited. Anyway, so before the services started, the, uh, the, all the folks are sitting in the pews, you know, like what we're doing. And they're talking about our lives and families, you know, fellowship and that stuff. And uh, then all of a sudden, believe it or not, the devil himself popped up right in front of the congregation. I'm right there. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, man, he, he, everybody starts screaming. They're running for the entrance over there. And, and they're trampling over each other in this frantic effort to get away from the devil himself. And so the next thing you know, everybody had evacuated the church facilities except for one guy. And he just sat there calmly right in the front pew there and uh, not even moving. He, 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 he was seemingly oblivious to the fact that God's ultimate enemy was right there before him. And so this obviously confused Satan a little bit. And, and so he walks up to the guy and he says, hey, don't you know who I am? And the man replied, yep, sure do. And so Satan, he said, well, aren't you afraid of me? And the man says, nope, sure ain't. And so Satan, he's a little perturbed at this guy. And so he asked him again, he says, well, why ain't you afraid of me? And the man just calmly replied, I've been married to your sister for over 48 years. <laughs> it's not Bill Wimberly. I know you're thinking that. It's not. He's already in trouble with Diane from a couple weeks ago. I'm here for you, Bill. That's right. But the point with that one is this. Uh, how many guys would say whoever that guy was? Okay, there was some serious strain going on in that guy's marriage. You know a little bit there to do that? And uh, believe it or not, folks, I see the same kind of serious strain happening to Christians all the time. Seems like every week now. And it's not in their earthly marriage. It's in their spiritual marriage with Jesus Christ. And it, it, the strain is not just when they find out that their spouse compared them to the devil's sister. Listen, it's this. It's when they consider hanging out with God as if they were hanging out with the devil's sister. Can you believe that? And, and this is the point we've been seeing with our study. How in the world did it ever get this way? How did it become a detriment to spend time with God who just happens to be the creator of the universe? Hello? And you put it in the context, again, I, I would assume as a Christian it didn't start off this way, right? I, I mean, when we first got saved, we couldn't wait to spend time with God. We, we long for God. We love God. And so the point is, how in the world did it get like this? Well, folks, if you've been with the study, we've been seeing, this is what I've learned over the years, and it's simply this. When we lose sight of what we really have in Jesus Christ, what he died on the cross for, and that was a beautiful, loving, intimate, personal relationship with the creator of the universe. That's what he died on the cross for, not this dry, stale, boring, man-made religion called churchianity. Okay? He died for a relationship with you and I. And I'm telling you folks, we've been seeing, once you lose sight of that, as a true born-again Christian, just like that, overnight, your once vibrant walk with Jesus Christ just turned into that dry, stale, boring, man-made religion. Therefore, to stave off this infectious disease called churchianity, uh, hopefully we don't catch it here at sunrise, we're going to continue in our study, renewing your faith. Okay, And what we're doing is we're revisiting all these so-called basics of Christianity, except this time we're doing it through a new set of eyes. The eyes of a relationship. A wonderful, beautiful, intimate, personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Why? Because that's what we have. 
We're just getting back to that. And we saw the first basic thing we need to get reacquainted with is a renewed prayer life. The second thing we saw was a renewed worship. And if you were here the last couple times in our study, we saw we need to get back to a renewed sense of service. And what we saw there was, it's not uh, astrophysics, it's simple. Serving in the church is simply serving other people with the same love that we've been served by Jesus, right? And he's the greatest servant of all. It wasn't something mystical or magical or something that only super duper talented people could do. No, anybody could do it as we saw. Uh, you could give out a cup of cold water, Matthew 25. Hand out some clothes. Invite a stranger in. Uh, visit somebody in prison. Uh, Jumpstart their car. Remember that, that last week? It's something that simple. Okay, you don't have to go to a conference uh, to serve other people in Jesus' name. And then we saw when you do do it, hey, don't do it with this attitude of timelessness, selfishness, or defeatedness, saying, I don't have the time. Or, you know what, I got more important stuff that I want to do for me. Or don't say, well, I quit because you didn't compliment me or you criticized my work. The point was, hello, how does that fly in a marriage? It doesn't. That's right, Ron, it doesn't, okay, at all. So then why are we doing that in our marriage, if you will, with Jesus? It's just as crazy, okay? Let's get away from that. The fourth basic thing we got to get reacquainted with, believe it or not, you know, why do we do what we do as Christians? Well, here's another one, folks. We got to get back to a renewed Bible study. Okay, turn to somebody and say this God's commands are good. Okay, go ahead. You can, right? <laughs> we have got to get this through our head. There's not one command in here that's bad for us. How many times have we talked about that? They're all for our good, okay? But again, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Open your Bibles to Joshua. Man, this is an exciting book. Joshua. Uh, let's take a look at it there. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. All right, serious action here. Man, those of you guys are, oh, the Bible's so boring. Are you kidding me? This is some serious action here. And you think this is cool? Read the next one, Judges. Man, this, this is guy stuff. You got battles. You got wars. You got all kinds of stuff going on. You got the Spirit of God doing all kinds of cool stuff. This is great stuff. But what we're going to see here in our context, verses, uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, we're going to clearly see some benefits of getting into the Word of God. Okay? I mean, first of all, we should know that. But the Bible even tells us, no, I'm serious. It's really good for you. Okay, so let's take a look there. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 8 says this. After the death of Moses, the servants of the Lord, uh, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun. So right there tells you he had no parents. Son of Nun. Yeah, no, Tom, that's not what that means. Uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid. Uh, and uh, so he says, God said to him, Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am going uh, about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, uh, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite uh, country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody heard of that? Yeah, that's where it comes from. He says, then be strong and courageous. Why? Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers uh, to give them. Be strong and very courageous. In fact, be careful to obey how much? 
all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from the right or to the left. Why? That you may be successful wherever you go. In fact, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate, literally chew on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Here's the payoff. Why? Because then you will be prosperous and successful. And can I just call out against the word of faith, uh, false teachers? He's not talking finances. Because what's going on there? He's talking about your spiritual well-being uh, is the primary meaning of that text there. But here's the point, folks. This is what's awesome in this text. We got some great news going on here. Joshua and the people of Israel were getting ready to face some serious challenges. God made some promises to them. They're going to get the land. It's exciting. It's awesome. But it was going to come not necessarily easy. They're going to have to face some battles, okay? And so this text tells us what we need to do when we face some challenges. Anybody ever face challenges, even as a Christian? Raise your hand. The rest of you, I appreciate you stalking the uh, sanctuary here with mannequins, making it look like it's fuller than it really is. Yeah, well, all of our hands should have went up. Excuse me? Okay, we face challenges. And what we see in this text here is from God three things that I think we need to do in order to face those challenges head on successfully. Okay? And what we see is, number one, we see here, what God tells Joshua is we need to know that, listen, God will never leave us nor forsake us in our time of need. Now, is that not a wonderful truth to know? Hey, listen, that was just one verse of one chapter in the whole Bible. That's good stuff. It's, in fact, what's really wild is this is the verse that the writer of Hebrews picks up on. Here from Joshua, we read this in the New Testament. He pulls it out and he says this, Hebrews 13, 5, Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Okay, and again, he's pulling this out of the passage of the Old Testament, Joshua. But listen, I brought this out before. When you get behind this verse and you see what's really going on here in the Greek, God is screaming this truth out to you and I. To encourage us, okay? Here's literally what the Greek says in Hebrews 13, 5. For he himself has said, and the statement is on record. That means you can bank on this. Pay attention. God's got this baby down. Here's what the Greek says. Literally, I will not, I will not cease to sustain and uphold you. I will not, I will not, I will not let you down. That's exactly what it says. Isn't that awesome? And that's God drilling. It's called a double negative followed by a triple negative. And, and the basic rule in the scripture is this. This is God's way of saying, listen, he's screaming out at us. If there's one thing I want you to know, get this thing. That listen, in your time of need, I'm not going to leave you hanging high and dry. If you belong to me, you belong to me forever. I'm never going to leave you. I will not. I will not do that. I'm never going to forsake you. I absolutely will not, will not, will not do that. And when you're facing a challenge in life, isn't that awesome? Number one, that's what God is trying to tell us in this passage. And again, that's just one little piece of one little chapter in the Bible. It's like we should read it more often or something and be encouraged. What a concept, Bummy. Uh, two, the second thing I see in this text is he says when we face those challenges, we need to be strong and courageous. In fact, it says very courageous, okay? Why? Because we know. How does that come? Because we know in the context that God is going to fulfill his promises. In other words, he is going to do what he says to do. You can bake on it. You don't have to doubt. And you can be courageous even though things around you might seem to be falling apart. God's in control and he stands by his promises. So that's a good thing, right? 
Now the third thing, and this is kind of where we're going with our study, that I think he tells us to face those battles, those challenges head on as a Christian, is we need to, he says, to chew on his words day in, day out, so much so that they're not just once in a blue moon, but they're always on our hearts, they're always in our minds, they're always coming out of our mouths. Why? What was the payoff there from God? So that we might be prosperous and successful once in a blue moon. All that we do. He says it right there, all that we do. And so here's the point, man. That's just one chapter, one portion of one chapter in the Bible. And, and, and again, we all face challenges and that's what's going on in this context. And it's encouraging, it's awesome. And it says right there, these are three great promises from God for those who belong to him, the redeemed. And so here's the point, as you and I, born again Christians today, surely that's what we're doing, man. We're, we're taking God up on his offer. We're pouring over the Bible day in, day out. We're chewing on it. We're reading it. We're devouring it. We're digesting it. We, we, we're doing whatever we can to get the word of God into us every single day so we can be prosperous and successful in all that we do and have victory after victory after victory amidst our battles, right? Amen. Well, I'm here to help you out. Wrong answer. <laughs> I wish that was the case. Folks, that, that, that's the right answer, but unfortunately, when you take a look at what the behavior in the American church, that's the wrong answer, okay? Uh, folks, let's be honest, okay? This is the, what's the, is crazy, is the trend in the American church. Uh, for most of us, when it comes to studying the Bible, we're not devouring it, reading it, digesting it. i got to have it more and more and more every single day. We're always looking for shortcuts. In fact, we're hoping that somebody somewhere could just break this thing down for us in 60 seconds or less and get it over with. Like these guys. Watch this. One, two, three. Bible in a minute. Earth made Adam Eve. Cain kills Abel, has to leave. Boring genealogy. Great flood, olive leaf. Tower of Babel, Abraham. Sodom and Gomorrah and Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Ten Commands. Promised land. Judges, David, Solomon. Sent away to Babylon. Job, then a bunch of songs. Proverbs and the Song of Songs. Major prophets, Lion Den. Minor prophets, Bethlehem. Golden Myrrh and Frankincense. Satan and Samaria. Choose disciples of their cheek. Walk on water, thousand feet. Lazarus, fig tree. Last supper, Gethsemane. Blood, money, third to now. Pontius Pilate, public trial. Forty lashes to the tree. Why have you forsaken me? Third day, empty tomb. Reappears, five wounds. Acts of the apostles. Next epistles and apocalypse. Whoa! Yeah! <laughs> Woohoo! What a resource, Paul. The Bible in 60 seconds. I'm done. I punched in my time clock. I got it over with. Well, first of all, those, I got to hand it to those guys. They were able to get the Bible in 60 seconds. I can't even get to the chapter 1 of the book of James in 60 weeks. But, uh, but anyway, seriously, if you've been to that study. <laughs> but this is the point. Isn't this our attitude when it comes to studying the Bible? Unfortunately, it's like we, we find some shortcut. Find some resource somewhere that somebody invented somehow just to get it over with. Alright? And if you think I'm kidding, I'm not making this up. Have you guys seen the 60-minute Bibles out there? Have you seen the 60-second devotions for the hurried person? Okay. The, the, the 600 different ways it seems to just hurry up and cram it in and get it over with. But here's the point, folks. That's not what we just read in the Bible. We're supposed to take our time. We're supposed to chew on it, devour it, relish it, enjoy it, make it a part of our hearts, our minds. Why? Because it's the ultimate source of strength and encouragement and it will make us spiritually prosperous in all that we do. Why would you want to hurry that up? Okay? That is churchianity. 
Let's get back to Christianity. The first basic uh, question we need to ask ourselves, all right, let's break it down then. Let's get rid of this churchianity disease, okay, when it comes to Bible study, and let's break it down. The first question is, well, why do we do it then? Why do we study the Bible, okay? Well, I think it's pretty obvious once you take a look at uh, this passage of Scripture, uh, if you don't want to listen to Joshua, which I don't recommend, uh, but take a look at this one. I think it's pretty blunt as well. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? Because God just wants to ruin your day. No, no, no. It's a spiritual prosperous thing. So that the man of God or woman uh, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's that uh, absolute statement again. All that we do, every good work. Here's the pathway uh, to get to that. Now, usually when we take a look at this passage, anybody ever memorize this one? Or have kids that do it and want to? Okay, that we have? Yeah, that's a, usually a, a classic one. And it's a great one. Okay. But what I've noticed that it seems like we focus on this second half. And we skip over the first half. And the second half is good. And he says there, you know, why? Because, you know, at times you're going to be, uh, it, it'll, the Word of God equips you by teaching you, rebuking you, correcting you, and training you in righteousness. Right? Which means there's four different things there. Now, if you notice that two of those things kind of are called spanky wankies, right? Because teaching, that's good. Training in righteousness, that's awesome. But there's two of them there that kind of make you uncomfortable and squirm, don't they? It's called rebuke and correct, right? So that means that the Word of God is truly being taught. Half the time, you should be squirming. And yet, what do we see in the American church today? It's only that stuff that's pleasing to the ears. Which means, guess what? You're not being taught the Bible, because if you're being taught all of the Bible, half the time you should be squirming. I didn't say that God did. Now why? Because he's just trying to ruin your day? No, so you can be thoroughly equipped. Not just equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Because have you noticed that even as Christians, we kind of get out of line? And anybody glad that God will spank us because he loves us to get us back on this path, which is all for our good? That's what he's doing, just like a parent, right? Okay, but that's, that's the second half. The first half, I think sometimes we're too quick to... Uh, uh, kick over and this is what I want to uh, uh, deal with in our context here what did it say there it says all scripture is God breathed again there's that absolute statement all scripture it's God breathed so let's let's put our uh, context of our question in now why do we study the Bible well according to the Bible let me see if I can be as blunt as I can <laughs> because it came from God are you kidding me this book is from God. This is the one who created the universe. This came from the hand of God. How, how could we... Are you kidding me? I mean, if all you had was enough cash your whole life to only buy one book, get that one. This book is from God. Okay? It's not just a book on how to know a life that is pleasing to God. It literally came from the hand of God. Isn't it crazy? X-Files is out there. Oh, the truth is out there. Right? And they're spilling how many millions of dollars on this SETI program, the search for extraterrestrial life. If only we could find this nugget of truth somewhere to solve humanity's problems. The truth is that, yeah, it's right out here. It's right here. Okay? The problem is it's collecting dust. The answer to everything we need is right there in that book. Okay, it came from God. And so here's the point. Who in the right mind wouldn't want to not just read it, but I mean, get in there. Like Joshua said, study this thing, devour it. I mean, forget that stupid newspaper, right? 
I mean, forget the best-selling novel or, or, or ooh, Facebook, or uh, forget that uh, stupid uh, uh, Dow Jones report or the weather report. This book came from God, who, by the way, created both Mr. Dow and Mr. Jones and who uh, controls the weather. Okay, I, I'm thinking, that, isn't that the one we should be reporting to first? Amen. Right? Read all about it. Read all about it. Is it any wonder that that's the one book the devil doesn't want us to get into? The Bible not only tells us how to live a life that's pleasing to God, how to be successful spiritually wherever we go, like with Joshua. But listen, it even tells us some good news. Uh, it tells us what's going to happen when we die. Now, believe it or not, that's good news. Because that's the last thing you want to get wrong. Okay? And the good news is, in the Bible, you don't even have to wonder about that. The Bible simply says, if you entrust your life to Jesus Christ and His work on the cross, not your own, hey, when you die, you're going straight into heaven. Isn't that awesome? And listen, here's what we've been seeing in our study. At the very moment you do that, before you get to heaven, at that moment, God just adopted you into his forever family. He became, you became his child. And right then, right there, he loves you. He accepts you. It's, it's awesome. And so that means, listen, that therefore at that moment, before you get to heaven, that all the promises, all the feelings that God records for us in his book, in this book, the Bible, just now became personally applicable to you. Because you just became one of his children that he talks about repeatedly in the scripture. And then when you take a look at that aspect through the eyes of a relationship, the Bible, this isn't, this is not some research book. This isn't some boring thing. This came from the hand of God. And when you become a child of God, you read this baby and you see what he says about his kids. It becomes a big, giant love letter from Almighty God. Like this video shows. Check this out.
Why do we study the Bible? Because man, when you keep it where it's supposed to be, to the eyes of a relationship, man, read all about it is right. Think of all the people in our world that think they were born by mistake, that think that there's no hope and there's no way out. But if they would just get in here, become a child of God through Jesus Christ, this is a love letter from Almighty God. That's why we study the Bible. And again, this is why I really think the devil, go ahead and read Facebook, blow another four hours. Go ahead and read that newspaper. Go ahead and crack open yet another best-selling novel, quote-unquote. Just don't get into the Bible. Because you won't be encouraged by the love letters that God has personally written to each one of his uh, children. And this is what the devil does. He actually gets us into thinking that the Bible is a boring book. That ain't boring. That's awesome. He actually will even get us to the point where we think it's a useless book. But can I tell you something, folks? This book is not a book of hate speech. This book is a book of love speech. And believe it or not, sometimes this book has the power to actually save your life. Like it did with this guy. This is true. This is amazing. Watch this. Well, some are calling it a miracle tonight, perhaps divine intervention, after a Bible blocks two bullets from killing an RTA bus driver. Alexandra Lewis joins us live where the attack occurred with that new video, and it's really amazing, Alex. The New Testament provided more than just daily motivational words today for Rick Wagner. Those pages actually saved his life when his bus broke down and he was brutally attacked. You can hear commotion outside, followed by moans. Outside these bus doors at the intersection of Lakeview and McLean, RTA driver Rick Wagner was stabbed and shot three times by three teens or young adults. But God's words were on his side. I just looked at the chest. It just feels like I've been hit with a sledgehammer. I've got the book in my pocket, and I don't think they made it through this book. Wagner was shot twice in the chest, bullets that never made it past the prayer book in his shirt pocket. Police has lodged two bullets from inside the book's divine words. There was obviously uh, some kind of intervention in, involved in this uh, incident because uh, uh, he, sh he probably should not be here. All right. I know I already had the uh, buzzer. Eee, wrong answer, but I think you guys can get this one right. How many guys would say that that guy was a, hmm, a little bit glad that he had his Bible with him that day? Anybody? Yeah. Eee, right answer. Yay. Okay. It literally, physically, did save his life, right? Now, here's the point with showing that. Okay, now, granted, uh, we may not be being shot at every single day of our lives. Amen. Anybody? Okay, praise God. Okay, but did you know the Bible says that it does protect us just like that spiritually from the shots of life? This is the benefit, folks. Maybe you're getting shot at, if you will, with a financial crisis right now. Maybe you just got a bullet struck you in your marriage right now. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're on the firing line, if you will, with your kids or job or whatever. But can you do something? Can you turn to somebody and say, hey, the Bible is my spiritual flak jacket? Okay? That's what it is. When we chew on it, the Bible says, when we hide it in our heart, you know where the pocket is. Okay, we're going to come out on top every single time. Spiritually, that's what God was telling Joshua. And yet this is what the enemy's done. He gets us to think is that somehow God's way is not the best way to go. Again, that these are not love letters, that they're hate letters. And as crazy as that is, he usually gets us to think like that, even as Christians. Listen, not when times are easy, but when times are tough when you're facing the battle 
And this is the importance of understanding the timing of Joshua chapter 1. The timing of God's encouraging words to Joshua to get into the Bible. When did he tell the people of Israel to get into the word of God day in, day out, chew on it, devour, eat it every single day? When did he tell them? If you know that book, that's right, Tom, it was before they went into battle. Why? Because it's all about timing. That's when you need that strength. That's when you need that courage to face the challenge. That's when the knowledge that God is not going to leave you nor forsake you comes in handy, right? Listen, studying God's word before the battle comes right now is your provision to face the battle's head on tomorrow. So if you don't study it today, you're not going to be prepared for tomorrow and the battle's going to get you. Do you see it? It's all for our good. It makes us spiritually prosperous in all we do. But real quickly, if you look at Joshua, there was one time that they lost a battle. One time. And you know what happened? One guy compromised on the word of God. His name is Achan. Let's see what happened with that account. Real quickly, Joshua 7, verse 1 and 24 through 25. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully. In regard to the devoted things, God says, whatever you do, just leave the things to me. Don't take nothing. I'll take care of you. you just, that's all you got to do. Simple command. But Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, <clears throat> of the tribe of Judah, he took some of them. Okay, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Then Joshua took together with, uh, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge that he'd taken, and his sons and daughters, his cattle and donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor, which I believe in the Hebrew means suffering. Okay, he created his own suffering because again, all God's commands are good. Okay, And then Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned him. Why? Because he compromised on the word of God. Listen, it not only destroyed him, it not only destroyed his family, it affected the rest of the camp. That was the first time, the only time that they lost the battle, and it happened when they decided, you know what, my way is better than God's way. But what does God tell us? My way is the best way. It's all for your good. Just trust me and do it. That's what happened to Israel. And this is what the enemy does. This is the exact same tactic today. He gets us to think that God's commands are not good for us. So we never study them. He gets us to think that they're hate letters, not love letters. So we don't obey them. Listen, and then he tells us, well, you might as well go ahead and compromise and do what's best for you. When the irony is, I almost hate to use this phrase. When the irony is, if you want your best life now... Don't listen to pop psychology. Don't follow your own opinion. Don't listen to other people. Certainly don't listen to the devil. And don't compromise on the word of God. If you want your best life now, follow God's word. This book, I say it again, not one command's bad for us. This book, if you want the best, we're not going to have a perfect life until we get to heaven, amen? But if you want to have the best possible life this side of heaven, do what it says. Here it is. But the enemy twists it around. But we just need to stand on God's word, okay? All you got to do is come to God as a little child, trust that he knows what he's doing and he knows what's best and do what he says and just submit to it. And like Joshua and the Israelites learned, you'll get the victory every single time. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to have to face battles. You are. Jesus told us that. 
You just need to do what God says. And the victory comes every single time. I'm going to share with you in closing, it's a, it's a true story, put to song, of one of the greatest worship leaders in Europe, in Romania. First name is Nikolai. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Have fun. But it's a true story. Here he was, a Christian like you and I, serving Jesus Christ like you and I. But one day, God interrupted his plans and had him go down a path that he had to face some battles. And at first, he resisted it. It didn't, it didn't seem to make sense. It can't be right. This can't be from God. But once he submitted to it and trusted as God's child, he knows what he's doing. Victory came just like that. And fruit was born on a massive scale. Let's take a look at that.
Being a Christian isn't easy, especially in our world today. And Christian, sometimes God's going to break your plans. It ain't going to turn out the way you thought it was. It's not always going to be easy. You're going to have to face battles like Joshua. But the way out of your prison of circumstances is not whining. It's not compromising. But submitting to God's word. Why? Because they're love letters. And they're all for our good. And when we chew on them, that's when the victory comes. Why do we study the Bible? Because it came from God and He loves us. And we hide them in our heart because at that point, as you see, that's when the victory comes. That's when God steps in and does what God can do. Listen, make beauty out of ashes. Purpose out of our pain. Value out of our suffering. And like with Nikolai, songs out of our tears. It's all in here. Read all about it. Isn't that what you want? When you face your battles? Then put the newspaper down and pick this baby up and be prosperous and successful in all you do. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal, okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars, okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain, Hey folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest, we've used God's name 
in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened 
is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.